0: Most of us high achievers, what we do is we get so focused on our goals and our projects and we get so myopic that it's like, I can literally go through probably an eight or 10 hour workday without breathing, without taking a break. But I've learned, especially during that journey from concussion, that I couldn't do that anymore. And so one of the biggest things I do now is take these little mini breaks throughout my day where about 50, 60 minutes, I set my alarm. I don't even need to set my alarm anymore because I'm more tuned into that. Or if I'm focused on some problem or I'm trying to brainstorm or I'm doodling, right, then I'll actually take a break. Even if just like a 30 second, 60 second, five minute break, because what I've learned even after recovering from the concussion, a lot of the habits that I didn't have built in, they were culminating, they're adding up all these stressors that eventually, even if I didn't have that physical trauma, something would have happened, right? So I've learned that a lot of the the you know kind of hacks that I learned and figured out to heal my brain These are the same things that take my brain to that whole new level. It's all about neuroplasticity. When the same principles of neuroplasticity apply, like to heal a brain that's broken like mine was.
1: This is Impact, the podcast where we explore entrepreneurship, mindset, and health to provide you with the ingredients for an unregrettable version of your life story. When I was seeing patients, I made them a very clear promise. And that was that we would put them in a state where their brain and their body was available to them at a moment's notice. And when you work with entrepreneurs, as you know, we need our brains and we don't just we don't just need them to kind of turn on the way we would after a cup of coffee. Like we need our brains in their most optimal state. And what's so exciting about the era and time that we live in is that there is more brain research and more tools that can move us towards a state of brain optimization uh, than ever in the history of medicine and biohacking and all of these things combined. And honestly, whether we're talking about literally devices that we use or the research around um, uh, my brain's not working, how ironic, I'm definitely not, I'm not even cutting this out and keeping it in because it's real life. Psychedelics, like the spectrum of offerings that we have available to us to help move us into that optimal state are, are frankly unprecedented. And so as part of this series that we are engaging in right now all around human potential, it is an absolute impossibility for me to leave off the table a conversation related to brains and brain health and how we move into that most optimal state. My guest today Dr. Titus Chu is an expert on brains. He's a functional neurologist trained as a chiropractor early in his career and through his own need to discover and understand the long-standing impacts of a concussion earlier in his life. He has come to unpack some of the mysteries of brain performance, some of the things that are happening probably right now in your own brain that are minimizing your ability to act at your absolute best on a daily basis. It's probably what was happening in my brain when I completely ran out of words a minute ago. We had this incredible conversation around brain optimization, brain health, the influence of, of past events, physical, emotional, and chemical and the things that we can do to put our brain into the most optimal state moving forward. It was a lively, amazing, informative conversation. And I'm excited to introduce you to Dr. Titus Chu. Dr. Titus Chu, welcome to Impact.
0: Thank you, Dr. Megan. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Well, we're talking about one of my... Favorite things to discuss, you know, getting people to a place where their brain and body was available to them at a moment's notice was part of the promise that I made to the entrepreneurs that I worked with in my practice. And that's what we are getting into today. We're talking all things brain health. And I asked this question of you just before we hit start on the interview, which was Have you always been interested? in the brain. So I'd actually really like to start there. I'd love for, for all of my listeners to just get a sense of, of who you are and why this is such a central area of focus for you in your practice and in your message in the world.
0: Sure. Yeah. So my name is Dr. Titus Chu. I'm a number one bestselling author and functional neurologist that specializes in natural brain health solutions. And this all started for me actually 20 years ago. I was in a really bad car accident. That nearly took my life. I was on my way to work on a scooter and I got hit by a car and I flew off the scooter, ended up breaking ribs, dislocated my shoulder and I didn't realize it but at the time I actually suffered a concussion. So, thank God I survived but I was left with chronic pain like my body just hurt and I tried everything within conventional medicine, all the tools I had available and nothing worked. So, I decided to go outside the box and I went back to school. I went to school for chiropractic initially, but then, like I was telling you before we pressed record, I fell in love with neurology. It was just so fascinating for me, just because neurology was this amazing framework to understand how, like, what makes us tick, you know, but also as not only in terms of like personally what makes us tick and, you know, all our motivations and whatnot, but also as a clinician. Just really understanding some of these mystery brain symptoms, my patients, even at that time in student clinic, would come to me. It's it was such a beautiful framework to be able to understand that, and you know, work through uh, clinical issues. But that being said, so it was really interesting because I was just drawn to neurology, and it's funny when I look back on it now, it was almost like everything that I was drawn to, there was a reason, <laughs> because. At the time, like when I was going through school, I told you I was struggling with chronic pain and these other body symptoms and what I would do when I'd go to conferences and things I'd learn in class and whatnot, I would apply those things to my own health and some of my symptoms improved, like my body symptoms. The pain went away, a lot of uh, issues that I used to have growing up, like just getting sick all the time, I just stopped getting sick. It was like, wow, this stuff works. But then. What I realized though, like later on, especially I was going through school and then I graduated. And when life got stressful, I started to develop these brain symptoms like brain fog and brain fatigue. I just crashed and I just felt stressed and I had no idea why. And I even started to develop some more psychological symptoms like just excessive worry and anger outbursts. And I wasn't like that ever. Like growing up, I, Come from a really good family and I didn't have any of these issues. So I was just like, what the hell is going on? It was kind of scary. And I, I sat down and I kind of looked at my own life. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this all started after that car accident 20 years ago. And I realized that I had suffered from a concussion. I just, I didn't know it. From there, I just took a deeper dive into the world of neurology and concussion and experimented, you know, went to conferences, read articles books, anything I could get my hands on, on concussion and same thing. I experimented, tinkered with my own brain and I was able to heal from that experience. So yeah, it was quite a journey. And so again, like a lot of what I was drawn to, like the neurology, it's like when I look back on it, it's like, wow, I didn't know at the time, but I needed those skills to be able to put my brain back together.
1: So your, your experience was that an accident and concussion 20 years prior. Was continuing to drive uh, symptoms and create limitations for you with respect to your brain. Twenty years later,
0: that's the wild thing, you know. It's there were clues early on. Again, I didn't know anything about the brain twenty years ago. Um, I think I've learned a few things along the way. I did a postdoc in clinical neurology after I just fell in love with it, and I've learned a few things working with many clients and patients, but. Yeah. At the time, there were some like early yellow flags and warning signs. But like I said, I I just kind of chalked it up to stress. And so, I didn't really do anything about it until, yeah, the, the bottom fell out and I hit rock bottom. That's when I'm like, okay, something terrible is going on here that I need to figure out.
1: What is happening in someone's brain? that the manifestations of of an injury can still continue to, to perpetuate and exist 20 years later? Like, what do we have to know as the average person who could hit their head or sustain an injury at any time about the longevity of sequelae that are possible because of that injury? Like, what is so unique about the brain?
0: Yeah, great question. And that's the thing. It all boils down to brain inflammation. So, after a trauma, like a physical trauma like I had, and the interesting actually about concussion, most people think that you need a physical blow to your head, like a head injury to sustain a concussion. You don't. Mm-hmm. I've had patients fall off their bicycle, land on their outstretched arm, and they developed a concussion from that. It's just the, it's the jolt, the physical jolt to the brain that you can, you know, that force could transduce from your body. Even I've had people in car accidents that had a whiplash end up having a concussion and not knowing why because they not hit their head, right? So, anyways, right. there's that physical trauma that happens and like I said, it doesn't even have to be to your head but that triggers a secondary insult we call a chemical trauma because you have this physical trauma, you hit your head or strong enough blow to your body and from there, you have this massive inflammatory response that happens depending on how strong the the physical injury was and or the baseline level of inflammation you had at the time and that was the thing 20 years ago I didn't have the healthiest lifestyle I didn't dial in a lot of the habits that I have now that have taken me my brain to a whole new level not only the things I did to heal my brain but the same principles I'm applying to take yeah my life to a whole new level in terms of success but that being said at the time it was I didn't have the healthiest lifestyle. My baseline inflammation, again, this is all looking back, was not at a good place. So, I think there was that and then that perpetuation of that inflammation. But then from there, if you have inflammation in your brain, it can actually trigger and research shows this inflammation in the body, like in the gut, triggering what we call leaky gut. And then from there, the leaky gut could then send all these inflammatory chemicals back up to your brain, creating what? Is known as a leaky brain, a breach of your blood brain barrier. And therein lies that vicious cycle and the danger, the sequelae you're referring to. Because I think what happened to me is like I was in this car accident and I probably had some level of inflammation from that. And I was able to manage it. And a lot of the things that I learned in school, more focused on improving my body, the, the health of my body, like I, cleaned up my diet a little bit, started taking supplements, you know, cleaning up my lifestyle. That got me back to a better baseline. But I think what was still happening, the barrier that protects my brain, we call the blood-brain barrier, that was, that was the weakling. And then after a really massive stressor I had in my life, like this was years after school and after the concussion, boom, my brain just <laughs> it crashed. I hit rock bottom. It was, it was terrible. And it was, it was interesting because along the way, you know, from the outside, looking in, people probably thought, wow, this guy's got everything going for him, you know, his beautiful partner and successful business, traveling the world, teaching other doctors. But I was struggling even before I hit rock bottom. That was the thing, you know, it was, it was really hard coming to grips with that. And I think I would imagine a lot of people listening to this right now could probably relate. It's sometimes it's you want to show up for other people at the expense of your own health. And again, I wish I know now what I did even then. Even being a specialist in neurology about the blood-brain barrier, I wish I knew then because there were early warning signs that something was happening that I just didn't make a priority.
1: I think a lot of people listening are are going whoa whoa like. Back up there, because even as I I this is like this is this is a known secret. I doodle while I am in uh while I'm interviewing people for the podcast. So we have inflammation, then we have a variety of things that can trigger inflammation, and then from that inflammation, we have dissolution of the of the blood brain barrier. And you may play with that order mechanistically. And then I think people are listening to this and they're like, can we just rewind for a second and talk about this blood brain barrier? And what do you mean it becomes leaky? Cause that sounds like the kind of thing that would kill you, not just regulate you. So can we get actually like really clear and granular when you're talking about a leaky blood brain barrier? What does that mean? All
0: throughout our bodies. And I'm I, I would love to see your doodles. I'm so curious when you said that.
2: Is it like you're actually doodling or you're taking <laughs> notes? Oh
1: yeah, right now you can't I, I only have a pencil. It's not, it's not good. I have to like pull it back up, but the doodle will continue. I'll show you the final product.
0: Cool. No, yeah, I I do. I do that as I doodle as well. I do doodle, anyways. So the the blood-brain barrier. We have all these barriers throughout our body, right? We have a gut barrier that probably a lot of people have heard about, and we have a lung barrier. We have a skin barrier, and we have a brain barrier. So we call the blood-brain barrier, and the blood-brain barrier is a single cell layer that protects our brain from the outside world. So we have a skull, obviously, that protects our brain from external forces, but our blood brain barrier actually protects us from internal forces. So, things like bacteria or viruses or toxins, even inflammatory compounds we call cytokines that are floating around in our bloodstream, our brain is our most precious and fragile organ. And so, you know, we have this barrier that protects us from these things floating around inside our bloodstream. That's what we call the blood brain barrier. Just like with the gut barrier, it's fragile, right? The blood brain barrier is a single cell layer made of these endothelial cells as well as parasites and astroglia and glial cells, but it's very fragile. And physical trauma like from a concussion or even a strong blow to the body can actually create micro tears in your blood brain barrier. But that's the thing, right? So, a lot of people listening to this might be like, or some people might be like, hmm, I wonder, I have car accidents and maybe I've had a concussion. But the thing with the blood brain barrier, it's also susceptible to chemical traumas. So, things like toxins, things like inflammation. Actually, what's really interesting about the barriers, I'm going to geek out a little bit here. Like, there is what we call zonulin that's found in our gut barrier. It's this regulatory protein that when you have a leaky gut, it increases the levels and so so on and so forth in your blood. But that molecule looks very much like the molecules in what we call the tight junctions in our blood-brain barrier. Meaning, even things like a gut or digestive imbalance can lead to a leaky brain where you have these micro tears and then from there, those compounds, those pathogens that shouldn't be allowed in our most precious, you know, VIP area of our our brain, right? <laughs> that VIP club that the bouncers are like on, you know, high, high guard all the time. If you have a micro tear and these substances get crawling, you know, get in, it activates this massive inflammatory response. So there's these. Immune cells that kind of crawl around our brain—it's kind of creepy, I know—but they're called microglia cells, and they're kind of surveying our brain and nervous system all the time to make sure those things aren't there that shouldn't be there. And if you have a tear or micro tear of your blood-brain barrier, once those things get in, then those, those immune cells just wreak havoc. Not only do they wreak havoc to neutralize whatever pathogen or toxin, but they also there's collateral damage to your own brain and I'm pretty sure that's what happened with me, right? And that's the thing like, it's not just physical trauma, you can also have, you know, either leakiness of your brain or even just like, you might not have a micro tear but just like the stressors on the blood brain bear over time from a chemical stressor, right? Like we said, gut inflammation or toxins or even get this, Megan. Mental, emotional stressors can also trigger a leaky brain.
1: I was going to ask about that. I was like, what about emotional trauma? Because that can trigger responses in all other places of the body. So
0: massive. There's, yeah, there's this whole research like chain that I've been geeking out about recently where you have corticotropin-releasing hormone, which is part of that whole stress response. right? That can activate what, were, what are known as mast cells, these other types of immune cells And mast cells have been shown to create leaky brain. So I see this all the time where I talk to patients or clients and they're like, yeah, I never had a concussion. But after this chronic stressor I had, just like, boom, something happened. My brain got really slow and sluggish. I couldn't focus. I couldn't concentrate. You know, I work with a lot of high achievers in my practice, like a lot of entrepreneurs and go-getters. And they're just like, even though they never had a concussion, they're just like, yeah, I can't like focus anymore. I can't. Do my job. I can't follow through. And these people, they prided themselves on their brain function. Like, they're like, the reason they attributed a lot of their success is because they had really sharp minds and brains. And then, after even, yeah, not necessarily a physical trauma like what happened to me, but a mental, emotional stressor. But that's actually, like I said before, in retrospect, for me, there was that initial physical trauma. Right. But what really did me in wasn't another physical trauma. It was actually this culmination of chemical stressors, like inflammation, like I had a gut infection, and a mental emotional stressor. The, the buildup of that, boom, my
2: brain just it tanked, right? And I hit rock bottom.
1: What are some of the other things that we do to ourselves, alcohol, and others that like are consistently problematic for our brain? Because I, I, I suspect alcohol that there are things that we do over and over again as a society or as a cohort of high achievers that are actually like they're really problematic and I would say this with my patients I don't care what you do once a year I care what you do every day or every week those are the things that are really going to have that cumulative uh impact notwithstanding my setting you up around the alcohol piece what are some uh, comments on that for sure but what are like what else are we doing to ourselves that we should be aware of?
0: Sure, and actually, yeah, there's research that shows, uh, I saw this article once that a binge drinking episode can trigger leaky brain, right? And I've had patients and clients, right. where they're just like, yeah, after I went on this binger, or like this bender, um, actually this I can think of this one person who they went on a bender, and they also fell downstairs during that bender. It was just kind of like this culmination and boom. Yeah, that's when all their symptoms the floodgates open. But in addition to that, yeah, alcohol, um, inflammatory foods, so the most common ones are gluten and dairy. But there's also foods out there that contain what we call aquaporins. And aquaporins are these water channels found within your blood brain barrier that help remove toxins. There's actually these quote-unquote healthy foods that have high amounts of aquaporins. And some people who have sensitivities to them, not only does their brain or their immune system attack the and it can actually trigger leaky brain as well. So, certain food triggers, toxins outside of just alcohol, like chemical toxins, exposure. You know, when we're at the gas station and pumping gas, one of the things I tell my patients and clients to do is just, if there's wind, and step away from the wind coming in or get in your car, stay away from the ethanol because that can trigger a leaky brain as well. But like I said, sleep. Sleep's a big one. Um, You know, episodes of not getting enough sleep that creates inflammation in the brain, as well as, yeah, just chronic stress. And again, I'm guilty as charged for this next one just overworking and not taking breaks. You know, one of the things I learned in my recovery from concussion, you know, most of us high achievers, what we do is we get so focused on our goals and our projects. And we get so myopic that it's like, I can literally go through a, probably an 8 or 10 hour workday without breathing, you know, without taking a break. But I've learned, especially during that journey from concussion, that I couldn't do that anymore. And so, one of the biggest things I do now is take these little mini breaks throughout my day where about 50-60 minutes, I set my alarm. I don't even need to set my alarm anymore because I'm more tuned into that. Or if I'm focused on some problem, or I'm trying to brainstorm, or I'm doodling, then I'll actually take a break. Right. And even if just like a 30 second, 60 second, five minute break, because what I've learned even after recovering from the concussion, a lot of the habits that I didn't have built in, they were culminating, they're adding up all these stressors that eventually, even if I didn't have that physical trauma, something would have happened, right? So, I've learned that a lot of the, the you know, kind of hacks that I learned and figured out to heal my brain, these are the same things that take my brain to that whole new level. It's all about neuroplasticity when the same principles of neuroplasticity apply, like to heal a brain that's broken like mine was, but also these ideas of taking a healthy brain to a whole new level, right? And really stepping into our potential.
1: So I want to get into that potential piece because that's the part that really excites me. But there's there's two brain things that I want to unpack before we do. The first is this seeming epidemic of entrepreneurs and ADD diagnoses, at least on Instagram. (laughs) What do you, what do you make of that? Is this that we are, we are diagnosing ADD in adults more often? Is this a symptom of something that you are seeing that is reflection of exposure? Like, I would just love your, your two cents on, I just feel like every time, and and, I mean, it's classic, right? Classic retargeting. But every time I turn around, there's another, it's another entrepreneur who's been diagnosed with ADD. And I'd, I'd love your perspective on that.
0: Sure yeah so two things come to mind number one instagram just the nature of the medium <laughs> <laughs> like you know mm-hmm. the medium will draw people who have a tendency more towards distractibility and you know novelty
1: okay confirmation bias check yeah
0: <laughs> yeah so the second thing is i think part of what makes successful entrepreneurs is kind of that quality and that's that's what i always look at you know the brain in particular um, when it comes to and and diagnoses. It's like ADHD, ADD, it's like it's a diagnosis of certain qualities or symptoms. But I also see if, if that person could balance, like create balance in their life, like those become gifts, right? And the ability to like make connections between things that like see the big picture, and make these really fast connections. I think I really believe that it's partly due to that as well. But that's the key. It's about finding balance. Then train the areas of the brain, specifically this area we call the prefrontal cortex, which is the neuroanatomical substrate for follow through and motivation and concentration and what we call these executive functions. It's like the CEO of our nervous system.
1: Right.
0: So it's about you know, finding balance there. It's not necessary. And the interesting thing there, too, I, I see, you know, in my experiences, but also working with patients and clients, most people think it's like, okay, if my prefrontal cortex isn't working that well, well, this is not what they think, but they're like, okay, if I'm not <laughs> able to sit down, and, this is how I this, think. This is the average <laughs>
1: entrepreneur as they yeah, read the exactly. paper in the morning. Yeah. This my prefrontal,
0: my dorsal lateral prefrontal cortex. <laughs> so for me, it's like, Yeah, if a person's like, okay, I really need to sit down, I need to focus, I need to concentrate, you know, and I I really think it's a lot of the way we've been ingrained in society, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. the best way to do that isn't to sit down and force yourself and discipline yourself to do that. The best way to do that is actually to move your body. And the research shows that too with these kids, like a lot of kids who have like, quote unquote, ADD, ADHD, or behavioral problems even the best way to address that isn't through like discipline and punishing them and making them sit down. The research shows that when you give them more recess, like naturally what ends up happening, their brain, then all of a sudden they have the bandwidth in their prefrontal cortex to sit down, pay attention and not act out. And there's actually neurology that explains that this whole, the area of the brain, I just described the prefrontal cortex, which houses these executive functions. Guess what? It also houses part of our movement pathways. There's this whole neural network related to movement we call the prefrontal cortex with the thalamus, the cerebellum, and the basal ganglia, that those areas of our brain allow us to move, to coordinate our movements and anticipate things. So, for example, when you, you get thrown like a, a tennis ball, you're gonna, your brain does all these calculations to anticipate. To catch it, right? Right. Well, the interesting thing is, Megan, in all my research, one of the biggest take homes I've gotten from this that I'm so stoked about and really lays the foundation for my life's work. We weren't born to become, to sit down and map out visions of, you know, changing the world or.
1: <laughs> I was born for that. I'm for just that. saying. I was born for that. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <But> that, like, <laughs> we
0: were. We have these like, we have destiny. I believe in that, right? But my point is when we were born, we weren't born with that ability yet. We were born to move around our nervous system. The primary function of our brains is not to map out like businesses and have visions for these grandiose schemes or whatever, right? Changing the
1: world. Again, I disagree. No, I'm
0: just hear me out, right? (laughs) Our brains, our number one purpose of our brains is to help us navigate the physical world. Meaning, when you're born, you have to learn how to sit up. You have to learn how to crawl. You have to learn how to stand up. And for those of you out there who have kids, you observe this whole process. It's not a coincidence that there's these neurological milestones as kids learn how to crawl, sit up, and they start to have fine movement control that they develop language. That's not a coincidence because the same areas of your nervous system that allow you to move, to use chopsticks or do origami or to doodle, <laughs> they're the same neural networks that, that prefrontal cortex that allow you to have vision follow through. So my point is, a lot of times people get it wrong. They're like, oh, if I'm not able to focus, I just have to sit down, learn how to meditate, sit on this yoga mat, force myself to do this even though it sucks and it's painful. There's part of that, you know, just showing up and sitting through discomfort. Like I believe in that. But I've also learned that for some people, especially what you're describing, right? But it's a bit harder to do that. The best way to do that is through the body. and through, So, as an example, it's like this metaphor. If people have trouble with focus and concentration and follow through, then one of the best things you can do is when you go for a hike or a walk, you set a goal. Like, okay, I want to get to this tree down the block over there. All right, I want to get to this uh, landmark uh, a mile or two away. Because when you do that, you actually activate specific neural networks called the central executive network. That's all about focus, follow-through motivation. So rather than sitting down and doing all this, I'm the same way. I need to move my body. Like I feel most alive when I dance, right? when I skateboard, and when I get adrenaline going through my veins, right? Then I feel the most inspired. And then I have that motivation, right? I have that bandwidth to them follow through.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting because I, I often describe working out as one of my most imperative business strategies. Exactly. I think so much better. I am yeah. more creative. I'm solution oriented. I'm focused when I have moved my body first. And as many times as I try to justify putting my workout at different times of the day, I let it take up space in yeah. my working day because it accelerates everything else that I that I do. So I totally appreciate that component. And it's funny as you were talking about the things we can do to optimize their brain. In my in my head, as you were saying that, one of the things that I I I whispered to myself was. Hmm. Nootropics, or microdosing, or there is um, I'm I'm gonna call it an emerging field because I think there's an emerging consciousness around some of these pieces. The idea of uh, microdosing and nootropics is not actually as new as maybe people uh, think. But, you know, in the conversation of brain optimization, where do these two elements uh, fit into that that intentional protocol?
0: Yeah, great question. And so, through all my experiences researching neurology in the brain and human potential, as well as all my experience actually experimenting and tinkering, I discovered this or came up with this framework. It's what I call the brain-body-being framework and brain refers to the actual physical structures of our nervous system. So, what I was describing, you have these brain cells in your prefrontal cortex that form these communication pathways with like this area we call your basal ganglia, your thalamus, your cerebellum that not only allows you to sit down, focus and map out a vision for your future but also allows you to dance and move your body, right? So, there's actually physical things you can do to engage those neural networks. That's what I call, that's the brain piece. Whereas with the body piece, that refers to the body chemistry, right? And that's where things like diet, nutrition, supplements, nootropics, microdosing, that's where all these things fit in because a lot of those things trigger what we call BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, that allow... You to be able to create neuroplasticity in those physical structures in your brain, right? So, you have the physical structures in your brain, you have the body chemistry as part of that body piece, and the being that's part of your sense of yourself in the world and your role in it. And, you know, the thing, your mindset, all those pieces that really play a huge part of, you know, our successes in life, you know, to help us deal with challenges that come up. So, that's really part of the way I look at it is the brain-body being. It's like the when you talk about neotropics and my, microdosing, it fits into that phase. But what I've learned is if you just focus on one without adding these other pieces, like you said, it's like, yeah, you exercise like probably every day or as much as you can, that really triggers that physical. And what I found is there's actually ways of doing it really specifically. Like I said before, if you're trying to get more... Grounded in your life, one of the, be- like metaphorically speaking, one of the best ways of doing that is training your balance. So standing on like one of those, um, you know, oh,
1: those tightrope the yoga things. balls.
0: Yeah. Yoga balls or doing like the tight, yeah, the tightrope walking. I
1: would get a concussion, Titus, if I stood on a yoga ball. I'm just, Let's just be very clear. We've come full circle. Yeah, don't start
0: there. (laughs) Start with standing with your feet together, eyes closed, and then build from there, right? You got to meet yourself where you're at. But the point is like there's specific physical things you can do to train those neural networks, that part of your brain. And then like you said, yeah, there's actually things you can do to optimize the body component through microdosing, through the use of nootropics eating an anti-inflammatory diet, focusing on things like intermittent fasting. I find for a lot of people though, at least for concussion who are a bit more sensitive um, and burn a lot of energy, I find that intermittent fasting isn't always the best approach to start with. So a balancing blood sugar, like through grazing, you know, eating quite often, but little snacks, but everyone's different, right? Right. Um, but yeah, things like intermittent fasting, MCT oil, coconut oil, DHA, EPA, um, SPMs. There's a whole bunch of different things you can do to support that body piece.
1: So if you, were, if you were putting me on a brain optimization plan, I know we like threw out a bunch of different things. And notwithstanding, because I want everyone to know this is not how any of us practice functional medicine. We're like, what is your exact protocol? So the artificial scenario here is that Titus knows nothing about my own medical history. But assuming I'm an otherwise healthy entrepreneur who's interested in uh, brain optimization... What are some of the features or tenants that would be anchoring your approach and protocol for me?
0: So as you probably know, this is not medical advice. It's just based on what I've seen work for many people I've worked with, including myself. And that's the thing when, when we doodle, that's why I was kind of curious both to see what you doodle. Mm-hmm. Um, doodling actually activates another area of your brain. We talked about the central executive network. You know that's all about focus and concentration and motivation. But doodling, you actually activate this opposite neural network we call the default mode network. And that's the area of our nervous system related to creativity, insight, intuition, and healing. That's where we have the aha moment. Just based on that, there's a bunch of things you can do to activate the default mode network. One of the most powerful access key points to that default mode network is called the vagus nerve. It's this key structure buried deep within this region of your nervous system called the brain stem. and it powerfully puts the brakes on stress. And that's what I've learned, right? When stress can kind of get you through certain situations but if you don't like break it up, just like what I was describing for myself, now what I do throughout the day is like these mini-breaks... I think about it, I'm toggling between these two neural networks. Like If I'm super focused on something throughout the day, then what I need to do is something like doodling, something like sitting under a tree, waiting for an apple to fall in my head, right? Getting an insight or taking a bath or taking a a shower, just doing something that doesn't require any mental or physical or emotional exertion. That's what I find has been a game changer for me, right? And I think a lot of people out there, maybe including yourself, Megan. When you create that space for yourself where we're not focused on like goal oriented behaviors, that's where a lot of the insights and a lot of things start to fall into place.
1: Well, it's the push and the like extraction right like it's in like it's like it's like we push I feel like I was going to say it's entrepreneurs, but just as like adults. We're you know, pushing towards outcome and you can't just push like the second you push and then just release the system. That's when you realize. And
0: that, yeah, exactly. You got it. And that's one of the biggest lessons I learned in my concussion recovery, because when I pushed and that was the thing, it's all about meeting your brain where you're at and entering the flow state. Right. But when I had a concussion, my flow state, meaning that the, my bandwidth was like this thin, it was just so narrow. So even if I overworked just a little bit, I feel terrible. But that's the thing; it's about finding that flow state. And now that my brain is healthy, I'm taking the same concepts and I'm stretching it. And it's like I always look at, especially for long-term goals that we hold for ourselves. I've learned it's like this weird Zen thing that the less <laughs> right you actually put into it, and you step back. I mean, you still have to do the focusing mm-hmm. and the the mental work, but then you have to balance it with that you know stepping away and. In, in, You know, Chinese philosophy, we call it Wu Wei. It's the art of doing through non-doing. The cool thing, there's a lot of different ways of activating the vagus nerve. Um, One of my favorite ones is this ancient Tibetan yogic technique we call palming. And this palming exercise, it actually not only helps to clear mental stress and brain fog, but it actually powerfully puts the brakes on your stress response by activating the vagus nerve. And it's pretty cool. You have all all these... I'm trained as a functional neurologist and I got a master's in nutrition. So, I like look at a lot of that brain stuff. But I'm also trained as a chiropractor and there's nothing that replaces body work. But the cool thing is there's like these reflex points found all throughout our body as access points into our nervous system and specifically the vagus nerve. And so the palming exercise is one of them where the have you have you done this before, Megan? No.
1: I'm but it's let's now, it. in, it's it's now in my doodle. In okay, let's do it.
0: Yeah. Okay. So step number one, you gotta remove your glasses. Okay. So for those of you who wanna join with us,
1: unless you're driving. Just
0: go ahead. Remove your glasses. And then what I like to do, I like to, you know, in the spirit of Mr. Miyagi, (laughs) I like to rub my hands together, get a little chi flowing, get a little warmth. So, right now, just rubbing hands together and when you feel a bit of warmth in your hands, then you're going to gently close your eyes and you're going to take the fleshy part of your palms, so like the bottom part of your hands and gently put them over your eyelids. And you actually want to put a little pressure, really gentle pressure so you're not just covering your eyes but you actually
2: have the fleshy part of your palms on your eyelids, just real gentle. And the pressure you want to apply is the same amount of pressure you put on an egg yolk, so really gentle.
3: And as you're doing this,
2: I invite you to bring your awareness to the darkness in the space that you're now present to.
3: And you can take a few deep breaths in and out.
2: And if you feel your arms getting tired, you can put your elbows on, rest them on your table or on your thighs. I even like doing this palming technique, lying down at the end of my yoga practice. And take one more deep
3: breath in and out.
2: And when you're ready to, keeping your eyes closed Go ahead and remove your hands from your eyes, but keep your eyes closed still. And bring your awareness to the gentle light streaming in through your eyelids now. And finally, when you're ready, go ahead, open your eyes. There you have it. One of my favorite, absolute, powerful ways of activating the vagus
0: nerve.
1: I love that. It just like brought you right, right down into that parasympathetic. Yeah, for sure. I did laugh to myself when you were, you, you said the gentle lights as I'm sitting under like
2: two bright lights. <laughs> no, yeah, I feel you.
0: But that's actually <laughs> key to this technique is because as you probably know, light is actually a physical stressor. Like when you wake up in the morning, you open your eyes, you have that whole cortisol awakening response is the same thing now. So the whole thing I find, that's actually another key strategy I've learned. Toggling between the two neural networks is the transition. It's like so many times in my life, it's like yeah, if I'm traveling or if I have a meeting, then I am going into the next thing. It's like I used to have this what I call a smear campaign throughout my day or my weeks or my months. Right. But I always try to build in some type of transition. Because that's key. That's when you start breaking that stress response.
1: What do you do every day to protect your own brain?
0: Um, First thing, when I wake up in the morning, I think of one to three things I'm grateful for. I used to wake up and just feel just stressed and worried about the day. And I broke that. It's just like when I catch myself doing that now and I wake up, I'm like, okay, what's one thing I'm grateful for? Then in addition to that, I do a lot of, you know, when we talk about stress, it's actually interesting. We need stress, as you know, like you stress in our life. Mm -hmm. But what I do actually is I'm playing with these hormetic stressors. So, we have an infrared sauna. I'll do infrared sauna, just sweat a bunch, maybe do some chanting or toning in the sauna, (laughs) you know, or just like spacing out or maybe doing work or meditating. And then after sauna, I'll go into a cold shower. Or I'll even, while I take a hot shower, at the end of the shower, I'll do about a minute of cold shower. I take a bunch of supplements and I kind of switch them up. But a lot of the ones I take right now are related to preventing inflammation in the brain and body. So, polyphenols like curcumin, resveratrol, EGCG, terostilbene. I take fish oils every day. I eat a lot of seafood. I absolutely love, I'm a seafood monster. (laughs) So, I watch what I eat. But I figured out ways of because I'm a total foodie, I love food. I figured out ways of eating really healthy and still totally nit- hitting all those joy spots, so to speak, that come with food. Um, yeah. And we also we do uh, whenever we get a chance, we, do, we actually got back from Lake Tahoe recently to go camping, spending time in nature. Yeah. Just being outdoors. We we got a puppy, a big puppy. He's almost hundred pounds at nine months right now. We take him for walks and hikes, you know, spend time with loved ones. Yeah, it's it's about balance, you know, because you know, I kind of look at it, you know, my my North Star is Scorpio. I think I've I've worked hard enough in my life. Now it's time to kind of sit back, relax a bit more find that balance and reap the rewards. So the, yeah, I think the key for me is just really because I have a tendency to be hard on myself. It's like being having more compassion for myself, number one. And then that looks like, yeah, hey, I'm not going to work today. I'm going to go you know, lie in a patch of grass or something. So I think that mindset piece is a big one too.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And you know, I normally would say this is a perfect place in the interview to transition to... Uh, something I call our impact ingredients. But actually, before we do that, as you were just, you know, you're talking about being in nature and we segued off of the the vagus nerve. I'm wondering, do, do you use HRV or other metrics to measure sympathetic tone uh, as it pertains to the brain or recovery? Like, do you have any of those kinds of biohacking tools that you use to measure where people are at? Or yourself.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah,
0: definitely. So there's a lot of, as you guys know, and as you know, there's a lot of gadgets out there to measure. Like heart math's is a really good one. And there's the aura ring, a lot of people use as well. And there's actually these biofeedback ones that not only can measure that, but actually do something. You know, as you probably know, in, in practice, there's like what we call passive therapies. Where a person just shows up and they're kind of taken care of, it. and then active ones. Heartmath's a really good one because you got the biofeedback, but you kind of have to put your energy into it. Um, so a lot of what I use for my clients, especially when they just need to like that downtime, are more passive therapies. So there's different types of vagal nerve stimulators where they just send the good. Healing juices into your nervous system, and you don't have to do anything except press play. So, I, I really I dig those a lot because, again, I, I just like you, I'm sure expend so much mental energy right, day in, day out where we just need to like unplug
1: a hundred percent.
0: So, yeah, so a lot of those devices to measure them, like you said, but also to um, vagal nerve stimulators. There's actually these bone conducting headphones, and th- that's the thing, the vagus nerve is powerful access to the nervous system but that's just one of 12 cranial nerves right there's all these other cranial nerves and you know we actually activated one of them today the trigeminal nerve cranial nerve number five with that palming it's like this whole reflex between your eyeballs what we call the oculocardiac reflex there's my point is there's all these other cranial nerves through our senses sight sound smell taste touch that you could hack your nervous system completely naturally, even without like these fancy gadgets and stuff. So, the, int- the key is, again, finding out which are the weak links in the nervous system and which do our brains crave because that's when you start to see those quantum leaps, not only in healing, but also in our potential.
1: I totally love that. And, and you, again, gave me a perfect segue. Uh, to a nature of questions that I call our impact ingredients. So these are, these are more rapid fire questions or just like where we get to have a, a sense of who you are, how you make decisions, some of the things that you do in your life. And my first question to you on this is, what is your unwavering health commitment to yourself?
0: My unwavering health commitment to myself? Yeah, I mean, I used to put my health and myself always last. And so right now, at least at this point in my life, it's about making sure my health is priority. And that's what I was speaking to. It's like like between work, it's like busting my ass to and, and I have a mission. You know, I'm I'm here to help people and get the word out about brain health. But it's like if I if I'm actually struggling with my own brain health, then it's like I've lost the game. Right. So yeah, that's one of my unwavering is like making that and non negotiable. And that's the thing. Sometimes I fall off the wagon still, but it's just like I made that shift where it's like, no, I need to get back on the wagon.
1: What's your most important failure?
0: Ooh, most important failure. Wow.
1: No one sees that one. I know. It's so funny because...
3: <laughs> that's, that's that's
1: a big one, man. Uh, that one time. I, and, yeah. a it's times. true. This is a terrible I mean, rapid think... fire question. I just want to like caveat your response Sure, that. yeah.
0: So the first thing that comes to mind is, yeah, when when... I didn't see the warrant, like pay attention to the warning signs and my brain just broke. I hit rock bottom. Like I did, but it kind of fits in with that first question. I didn't make my health a priority. So I think that really was one of my biggest failures is not, yeah, just not paying attention and shit hit the fan.
1: <laughs> As an entrepreneur, were you born that way or did you learn to become an entrepreneur?
0: I think I was born that way. But I also had to learn some of the, like the strategies, so to speak. But yeah, I love, I love ideas, I love creation. I was definitely
2: born that way.
1: And last question for you, Dr. Chu. What do you want your legacy of impact to be?
2: Ooh. My
0: legacy of impact. Yeah, really, it's it's about showing people, empowering them with the tools, resources, and the secrets to live
2: their best versions of themselves possible through tapping into the power of the brain and nervous system.
1: Incredible. I feel like that is the perfect place to leave this. Dr. Titus Chu, you are amazing as a clinician, as a speaker and a guest. I love this topic. I could do this all day long. Uh, I also know you have some awesome things for my listeners to get their hands on Where can we send people to not only get that, but follow along in this amazing journey that you are on in this world?
0: Sure. So I talked about the vagus nerve and I shared with you guys one of my favorite techniques of activating it, but I actually have a quick start guide to activate your vagus nerve and put the brakes on brain stress. And you can get that at brainsave.com. That's B-R-A-I-N-S-A-V as in victory e brainsave.com slash vagus. V-A-G-U-S, not the other Vegas. <laughs> not the other Vegas, no. <laughs> Don't go there. Not
1: the same thing, <laughs> Dr. Titus there, Chu. but
0: activate your Vegas while you're there. <laughs>
1: yeah, you can do all of the above while following along. Dr. Titus Chu, thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Absolutely, thanks for having me.
1: Impact is what lives on when we leave the room, tuck them in, or step off stage. It is less about what you do, more about how you make them feel and everything about how you choose to show up in the world. If you enjoyed this podcast, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you are listening to this episode. I am your host, Megan Walker. Until next week, aim for impact.